Energy, energy, energy. You're a bit, t- <laughs> you're a bit tired, Sam. <laughs> so tired. <laughs> Welcome to the Creative Coding Podcast. I'm Seb Lee Delisle. I'm Ian Lobb. How are you doing, people out there? Sorry for the summer break, which we didn't announce because we didn't know it was happening. <laughs> we did not know that there would be a summer break. It was kind of enforced, wasn't it? I've had multiple things to deal with, like personal things. Uh, I've been child care after issues, child care issues, etc. So I've had basically the option is I've had my kids full time, and it's during the summer holidays, and it's just been mental. I've not been really able to do any of my normal work, let alone the podcast so sorry but we will make it up to you we'll We're make sure to that... have the odd week off yeah aren't we? exactly we'll make we'll... we haven't had a holiday for ages so we've yeah. just been saving it up yeah we'll make it up to you guys <laughs> in awesome and ways i've i've had laser care issues tell me about it so you've been super busy because you're preparing for your one-man show <laughs> yeah yeah i never thought to call it a one-man show before just now <laughs> that, that makes it sound super pretentious it's I like that. It. I'm in gonna, all American I'm TV shows, that. there's a bit where someone puts on their one-man show and it's like them on stage with a spotlight going, growing up in Cincinnati and like <laughs> pretending to throw a football and stuff. And like doing all different voices and stuff and characters <laughs> yeah. of, of people in my life. No, it's that makes it sound really awful. <laughs> That's not what it is at all, is it? <laughs> well, it is a one-man show in that it's a show. And you're a man. And there's one of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a few computers. And some lasers, one man, several computers, several lasers show. That's starting to be a bit more accurate. Let's get straight into how you've gone crazy viral then over the last couple of days. Yeah, okay. Well, I I guess I need to explain a bit about what the show is first to make sense of that, right? So the show is called Hacked on Classics, which is a a play on the very famous music project of the early 80s called Hooked on Classics. Did you know that? Do you know what? I was thinking Hooked on Phonics. What's that? And then I was like, oh, Hooked on Phonics must itself be like a pun on something else. I don't know what Hooked on Phonics is. So yeah, Artificial Phonics is this way, reading system that supposedly makes it easier to learn to read. Right. It's part of the British national curriculum at the moment, but the latest like evidence I saw was that it, it makes no difference. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been playing on Hooked on Classics for years, but it was a music project in the early 80s, which... Uh, by the London Philharmonic, I think. And they did loads of classical music and put a terrible disco beat behind it. Is it like Fifth of Beethoven by yeah, the Bee Gees? it wasn't the Bee Gees, I don't think. But there was a 70s band that did that disco version of... of it is the Bee Gees. Yeah. It's on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. It goes... Yeah, but it's definitely not the Bee Gees. <laughs> because the Bee Gees didn't do all of the music in that. Oh, did they not? I'm just looking it up now. It's Walter Murphy and the Big Apple Band. They did the song called A Fifth of Beethoven. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it was on the soundtrack of Saturday Night oh, Fever. Oh, okay. So. Hooked on Classics was a few years later so it must have definitely been inspired by that but that's more of a pure disco version i actually really like that right hooked on classics is kind of terrible (laughs) (laughs) check it out so there was a medley it was about 1981 i think anyway yeah it's irrelevant so hacked on classics is me (laughs) talking you're brilliant at talking about your stuff Seb. like you just get straight into it no, like, beating around the bush. <laughs> Am I? I really hate talking about myself. But no, I guess no, I that's... just have to sometimes. I was being ironic. Oh, right. I see. Because I said talk about your stuff about three minutes ago and you just and went I went into, into the... stuff about Hooked on You were going about phonics. You were going on about all kinds of stuff. I know. I'm very easily distracted. Without any further ado. Let's focus on Seb. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a celebration of technology, right? from really the early 80s, late 70s to, to the present day where I 
examine with great entertainment value old gadgets and games from you know old computers so there's the the you know the atari 2600 old cathode ray tubes asteroid games uh casio keyboards and calculators and of course the nintendo light gun the zapper that came with the nes i think in 81 or 82 did you have one I didn't. Nintendo stuff was really expensive over here. Was it? So I always had like personal computers because they were the same price, but you could like swap discs in the playground with your friends and yeah, you know, write your own games and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I know I never had an, an NES either, but yeah. Anyway, so there was a really famous game called Duck Hunt. You must know that, right? I know of Duck Hunt. Yes, I've played yeah. loads of NES as like. I didn't have it when I was a kid, but as yeah, but we can afford them now, right? Yeah, exactly. I all this stuff. <laughs> I just bought a load of of these zappers. Are they expensive to buy now? By the way, no, no, they're really cheap. They're like ten quid each on right. Amazon. You can just get them on Amazon Marketplace, right? Because there's so many of and them, and they're so cheap because they don't really work anymore. Okay, okay. So you can explain, or was that a spoiler for your show? If you explain, I, how can, it... I can give you a little tease. If yeah, you how do know they, how work? they work? How do they actually work? Those zappers. Well, it's actually really clever because you think they're a light gun, right? So you think they produce light, yeah. But they don't at all. They're just entirely a receiver. Um, Are they like a, a camera? Is it? Is it like a light sensor? It's like a one-pixel camera, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a light sensor, right? Um, and a lens. So the light—if you point it at your TV—the light from a very small area of your TV is focused through a lens into this light sensor in the zapper. Right. So I don't know if you, you've seen when you play the game, but when you pull the trigger, there's a very fast flash on the screen. It actually flashes to black for one frame. And then it's, it stays black, but wherever there's a duck will be a white rectangle. Right. And then it goes back to the game. And you can't really see it because it's like a, I guess it's a 25th of a second if it's interlaced. Right. right, so you get black for a fiftieth of a second, and then everything black except a white blob where the duck is for fiftieth right. of a second. And when, as soon as you pull the trigger, that that tells the NES to do this flashing, yeah, this, like tiny little blip of yeah of dark. I would say, and then so that in that moment, it either sees the white square or it sees black. Yeah, so is it goes right? black, I guess, for a kind of um, kind of calibration, I suppose. And then if it suddenly goes light. In the next frame then it knows that you've got a duck and if there's two ducks it first of all does the first duck square and then it does <laughs> right. another frame with the second duck square right. so it even knows which one you that shot, you've hit depending on the delay that's amazing yeah it's really clever is that the same way that like the playstation one works do you know because i remember i played a lot of point blank when i was a teenager and with the playstation light gun and i don't remember seeing black a black frame on that i don't know that one but there are other light on the nes one is the black frame visible like can you see it it's almost imperceptible but yeah if you're looking out for it you can see it for sure (laughs) it's surprisingly imperceptible actually you would really expect to see it much more but like how i thought the light gun would work is i thought there'd be a laser inside it (laughs) smoke machine so you can see the beam (laughs) some rad leds on the side so uh, tell me how you did what you did, Seb, because it's amazing. Yeah, so I I put a laser in inside one. And actually, that's not a very original idea. If you do a, a search on the internet for Nintendo Zapper laser, right. you'll see loads of crazy 
idiots who are putting in <laughs> like really powerful lasers into idiots in the good sense right yeah and i should just say i class myself amongst you those yourself in this group they're my people <laughs> um so but the thing is is that really with a, a laser if you just put a laser inside the gun you can't really see the laser very easily and you know no one's really as far as i could tell no one's actually made a game that uses that they just thought oh wouldn't wouldn't it be fun to put a laser in and yes of course they're absolutely right. It is fun to put a laser <laughs> in. So I did that relatively quickly. It's quite easy to put a laser in and use the same switch to turn it on. But you can't really see a laser in midair, right? Not unless there's smoke. Much to my disappointment as a kid. Yeah, it's, really, it's hugely disappointing. Um, so so obviously, as I've worked with lasers, I realised you need smoke really to see lasers. And I was really inspired by this tested.com build they they featured a build of uh, a ghostbusters ghost trap right right and it's all 3d printed and they they tell you exactly how they made it but they actually put a little smoke machine inside it so when you trap a ghost a bit of smoke comes out and it's amazing. like yes amazing and although they sort of mentioned how that it was an e-cigarette they didn't really go into that much detail about exactly how they did it so i did a bit more googling and i found this other video on youtube of an engineer who figured out how to make smoke come out of your hand for a magician right, right. a magician asked him to do that. so he explained a bit more but essentially you need an e-cigarette and an air pump to push the air through the cigarette right oh because otherwise it doesn't produce the the smoke yeah if you use a standard there are t- <laughs> it's quite amusing because I did loads of research into e-cigarettes because I don't smoke <laughs> and I don't vape. So I'm just like... Uh, I- You're now the vape king expert without yeah. even wanting to be. And, and I always say this, but I find vaping equally fascinating and horrifying at the same time. <laughs> Because there's kind of a whole weird kind of subculture that's grown up out of vaping. I quite like anything that makes me feel like we've moved the timeline forwards <laughs> yeah, a bit into the future. And vaping definitely ticks that box in a big way absolutely. for me. Absolutely, Yeah, no, and that's, that's why I'm fascinated by it. And it's a really <laughs> amazing technology. So you can get these little, um, you can get the tiny ones. I love these tiny ones that are cigarette sized, right? Yeah. Um, of course, I didn't realise that at first. I went into a vaping shop in Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a very helpful woman, actually, there um, who who helped me. But I don't think she really understood what, what, what you I were wanted. doing. I was like, I want to, I would like a, an e-cigarette, please. And she's like, well, yeah, what sort of power would you like or capacity? I was like, I just want the smallest, smallest <laughs> one possible. And so she showed me this <laughs> this sort of vape thing, whatever it is, yeah, big one. And she, you know, it's funny that they have to demonstrate them in the shops, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> blown <laughs> up. This smoke, it filled the entire shop with smoke. The smoke is so impressive. It's For anyone that's never seen someone vape, in case you've been living in a bubble, the smoke <laughs> is, it looks like about 10 times as much smoke you'd get off a, 
a conventional cigarette, right? It's like it was like a steam engine. It just filled the whole <laughs> yeah. shop, and I was like, "Yep, I will take that one." And she's like, "Oh, but what about this one? This is one's even bigger." So she demonstrated the next one, blew it out, and literally I couldn't see <laughs> in my hand in front of my face. I was like, "Whoa, whoa, no, that's way too much." The first one was fine, so I spent I dropped like forty quid on that, and she was like, "Oh, you get some liquid with it. What what flavor would you want?" I was like, "No, I don't. I don't want any flavor. You know." Um, I don't want any nicotine. I don't want any flavors. Like, well, we don't. You have to have a flavor. We, they've all got flavors. And I was like, okay, what flavors have you got? And she was like, strawberries and cream, like <laughs> citrus burst. I don't know all these random flavors. I was like, fine, I'll take lime. I'll take lime. Whatever. Most disgusting flavor ever. So you know, obviously, while, while I was trying to suss it out, I had to actually kind of use it as a a vape machine and i just felt so sick at one point i thought it had nicotine in it because i started feeling a bit shaky <laughs> but then i i double checked and realized that it, that it still it definitely didn't have any nicotine you can get one that's without any nicotine in it yeah that's right yeah you can get liquid without it but the lime flavor was so disgusting <laughs> so um but also then i sort of subsequently realized that this vape machine you know, I took it apart, figured out how it works, but it was still just a bit too bulky. Mm. And then I realised that you could get the tiny ones that were like cigarette sized. But with those, it's kind of astonishing, actually, because if you imagine the bit that's the filter on a normal cigarette. Yeah. That's essentially the entire thing is in there. So the bit that's normally the stick, the tobacco end. Yeah. That's just a battery in there. That's a battery. So the atomizer and the liquid is all in that tiny filter bit. Wow. And the thing with those is that they're, they're sort of disposable, right? So yeah. So you throw them away and get a new one, which I thought was a bit of a shame because it would be better to refill it. And then I could sort of mix up the vape liquid myself for optimum results. I don't know if you're interested. It's like vegetable glycerin and propylene glycol mixture. And you can mix the two together. Vegetable glycerin? Yeah. That's like something made from like vegetable oil or something. Yeah, it's sort of, it tastes really sugary, but I think it's what they use on pastries. Like, you know, pastries with fruit on and they're really <laughs> super shiny. Okay. I think that's glycerin that they use on that. And then what's um, the other thing? What's the other propylene one? glycol. I, I'm not really sure. Is that, um, that must be a petrochemical, no? Mm, I guess so. But you can buy these very, very cheaply. Like if you mm. buy actual vaping liquid, it's really expensive. But you can get these two components very quick, cheaply. So, you know, vape enthusiasts will mix up their own liquids and put <laughs> nicotine in and flavorings and stuff. But I don't, I didn't need any of that. I just literally got those two things. Yeah. And it's interesting because they have different quality of smoke. So is it now, is it technically smoke or is it steam? No, it's vapor. Yeah, it's steam. Va it's vapor. And that's, that's what someone on Gizmodo said. We'll it's not even later. smoke. It was like a comment on Gizmodo. Well, I hate to be that guy, but it's really vapor, not smoke. You love being that guy. <laughs> it's like, you're enjoying being that guy a little too much. <laughs> um, For yeah, someone who so hates being that guy, you sure are that guy a lot. I'm I'm often that guy, I have to say. I haven't written a comment on a blog post in about five years, I think. Mm. I just realised it was totally futile and the only people that are going to read it. Because you've inevitably rid, written it to, degree with some, to disagree with something. Yeah. And the only people that are going to read it are going to be people that then disagree with, your, with you. Yeah. And then... Well, we'll, we'll come to comments <laughs> later because there were some interesting ones. But to, to finish how the guns put together. So the different 
liquids make a slightly different type of smoke. Vegetable glycerin makes a very thick smoke that lingers quite a lot and propylene glycol is a slightly cleaner, less dense smoke, which dissipates faster. So, of course, I just put vegetable glycerin in right. <laughs> to get really thick, crazy get smoke. Anyway, so I figured out I could lop the battery off, wire it up directly to the atomizer. I actually kept the connector from the battery so you right. could sort of screw it in. Uh, found a tiny little air pump, made a little duct out of 3D printing to connect it to the <laughs> cigarette, um, mounted the laser in the end of the gun, bought a 50 milliwatt laser, which is quite bright. It's um, 10 times brighter than a standard laser pointer or 100 times perhaps, sometimes. Okay. Yeah, and also a tiny little fan to sort of help push the smoke through. Oh, is that different to the, what was the other thing you said? The air pump. Air pump. So, yeah, the air pump is is much more force so it it's used for like making bubbles in aquariums aquaria i should say right yeah if you want to use the proper plural um yeah so it literally forces the air through it's quite noisy as well right so that pushes the air through the cigarette um the on the on the cigarettes that i mentioned the tiny ones with the battery they're actually turned on by suction there's a little pressure switch at the end and that's how it knows to put power into the atomizer whereas the other one i bought has a button that you press so you've got more control over it but anyway i got rid of all of that electronics so i could just put power into the e-cigarette atomizer whenever i wanted so there's that there's also super bright leds down the sides they're like neopixels but i managed to get some smaller ones so i could fit more in it so the effect is you fire the gun the leds shoot down the side and then the laser comes out at the end and you can see it because the smoke's coming out so basically it goes like LED, it goes down each led and then the yeah. laser fires so it's yeah. as if like like in battlestar galactica where the, you the laser beam like flies yeah right like the laser beam flies along like it's got some speed yeah and then to add to the effect i'm tracking the output from the laser with a camera and then I've got my big laser. I just bought a new laser, by the way. Right. <laughs> a new four watt laser, which is very exciting. So I'm tracking the what comes out of the gun with a camera. And then I'm projecting with my big laser a kind of explosion, you know, a sort of very simple. And, and, it, and it does it where you hit. It does it where you hit. So yeah, you've got so... like, uh, you're using some computer vision stuff to just track the point that gets shot. Yeah. And normally I do that manually, right? So with Pixel Pyros, I did that you know, just manually with OpenCV. Right. Um, but this time I actually used this app called Community Computer Vision. Right. CCV. And it's designed for touchscreens. So, you know, with the back projected touchscreen, you can do touch detection with a camera and infrared light. Right. And this app is designed for that. Right. And it produces a TUIO, I guess it's pronounced, T-U-I-O, which is a standard touch for data format across OSC, Open Sound Control. Right. I think it's UDP, right? Wow, super geeky. Anyway, this app is quite good for just sort of setting this up quickly. And I thought I always wanted to try it, so I just give it, gave it a go, and it actually works pretty well. It uses quite a lot of processor time, but it's it was very, very easy to just get set up with. So that's sending OSC data to my Open Frameworks app that sees where it just receives like a touch event and I can map it onto the screen pretty easily. Right. Um, so then of course I can do games with it. And for the launch party at the Brighton Digital Festival, I just did Asteroids because 
I happen to have that from my talk before. So I just added the gun yeah. data to that. And so it was like two players. So one person played it with the joystick and the other sort of helped them out with the gun. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. So, but in a couple of weeks, I'm doing it again at Bring Your Own Beamer, which is a projection event in Brighton. I'm going to hopefully have recreated Duck Hunt with lasers for that. That'd be so, cool. Quite hard so, to yeah. make. A, a duck's quite an organic shape to make with a laser. It is quite hard. Yeah, <laughs> I started tracing the bitmaps in Illustrator and I've got some pretty good vector ducks, but we'll see how the laser can handle them later. Yeah. I'll be doing that in the next week or two. But yeah, so I just, in the process of kind of making it, I've been taking little videos on my iPhone and just sticking them on Twitter and Instagram and whatever. But the last one I did, which was just me firing at my wall in the office in the studio here, but because the laser was reacting to it because there was smoke and it was even a portrait video, right? Which I really hate, but I just did it because, because <laughs> I was doing it for Instagram, right? So yeah, like, yeah that's so okay like, because people look at Instagram on their phones anyway. Yeah, but of course, that's the video that started getting retweeted and retweeted and retweeted in the first day. I had like a thousand retweets, I think, and 2,000 likes. And then Hackaday wrote about it. It was quite amusing because I, I know people at Hackaday. I did their conference, right. but I didn't know the person that wrote this article. And he kind of just figured everything out about this gun by looking back at my timeline through the through the development yeah and all the videos and stuff and he sort of figured most of it out and it was mostly accurate there was a couple of things that weren't quite right but so they were able to publish their story without even interviewing you they yeah just, they didn't even they get just used your twitter timeline as the interview <laughs> yeah that's right and they just took and they converted it to animated gifts so um but that was a, a nice story there and obviously hackaday is hugely popular and that was the lead story on their front page for i think for most of the weekend and then motherboard took it on they did the similar story and then gizmodo wrote about it and then uh, discovery channel wanted to put it on their daily planet show on friday night so there's been all this kind of explosion it's really it's never really happened to me before that sort of level of retweeting and faving a big spanish website have you put have you well. put it on imager or has someone done that for you I haven't put it on Imager. Because that's the big community for like viral images. Stuff goes absolutely yeah. mental on Imager. I wonder I wonder how I'd know. I'm just going to have a quick search. Uh, you can hear See, me typing in this microphone. It's terrible. <laughs> it might be that someone's already done it for you. Yeah, I can't see it, obviously, but... Because stuff goes from there to Reddit quite a lot. Nest light gun mod shoots real laser. Oh, it's a link to the motherboard article. Oh, you should post your own set of GIFs on there. You can post, like, a gallery that's, like, almost like a story. Yeah, I'm I, I'm realising I'm not particularly good at social media anymore. I know, like, a couple of indie game devs who are, like... They've had a lot of success by like creating like an image or gallery that's like here's the process doing this and show like gifts of like different stages and stuff. Yeah, I should probably get on that. I need to sort of try and drive people into buying tickets for my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when's the show? Oh, 28th of September in Brighton in, at um, the Old Market, officially in Hove. Right. Um, but it's you know it's on the Hove yeah. border. It's pretty much Brighton. Brighton and Hove. But, um, the Old Market, a fantastic venue actually, and they're doing loads of stuff for the digital festival they've got loads of vr installations and they've got this strand called tom tech the old right. market is tom for short right right um but they've been massively supportive they've really got behind this show and 
and they're helping me to you know to figure is out someone going to gonna record production. it for you yeah i'm probably going to video it but i'm just trying to find a camera person at the moment it's very difficult because you there are loads of really cheap ones yeah you want, might be rubbish you, yeah or you really want... expensive ones that are probably good and it's like okay and i'm not really probably going to make any money off of this so it's going to be tough or at least i'm going to spend all the money i make right <laughs> i'm saying well you good. know the laser i just bought was four grand so i'm <laughs> going to be a long time before i before i pay that back <laughs> yeah I earn that back that's um, but then you can hopefully yeah. do the show more than once right well i really hope that if it's a success edinburgh festival that, yeah absolutely stuff like that or, or do a tour or whatever i'm not entirely sure yet i'm I haven't, you know, I've done guest spots with the Festival of the Spoken Edge. Which are very good. I've seen one of them. I can attest to Oh, yeah. To what, which your... one did you see? The Asteroids one? Uh, yeah. The Casio the, one? Yeah. The, the Lasers one. Yeah, the Asteroids. Right. Yeah, so that's part of my show. And so how long are you doing? Is it like an hour show? Like, Yeah, it's probably 60 or 70 minutes, something like that. But I mean, in a way, though, it's sort of like the evolution of, like, the sorts of things you did at, like, Flash on the Beach and stuff, like... They're like tech conference sessions in a sense, but you're really, they were more entertainments anyway. Like, do you know what I mean? Like your style was always more like, it's not just about a PowerPoint of like, here's some facts. It's like, takes the the audience on a little journey, on a little story. Well, I hope so. I definitely, yeah, I definitely feel like it's an, an evolution from that. It's quite different though. I mean, it's different and it's the same right you don't have to be very entertaining at a conference to be to be the entertaining one <laughs> to be really, really entertaining <laughs> one yeah it's a low bar there is a yeah it's a really low bar you just have to do something a bit fun and everyone's like yay give people glow giving people glow sticks at a conference <laughs> is way cooler than giving people glow sticks at a stage show although still cool mm. but you know more unexpected at a conference i guess so it is definitely an evolution of that. And you know, I've always done big audience interaction things. So there's going to be loads of that stuff with glow sticks and sound detection and motion detection and stuff like that with the audience. I feel more pressured to be kind of higher energy and and a bit funnier, maybe. I don't know, but I can't really try too hard to be funny because then it just really doesn't work at all. No. So that's kind of the 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 challenge that I have. It's to be higher energy and funnier, but without really trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not that's no mean feat. Yeah, but I'm re- I'm really excited about it. I'm. It sounds good. I'm nervous. You know, I went to the theatre last week to just talk about where I'm putting the lasers and the projector and where the screen's going to go and all of that sort of stuff. And I stood at the back, just thinking, "Oh my god, this whole theatre is I've got for like a whole evening." Mm. just for, for myself and that was massively exciting and terrifying at the same time yeah but time. the thing is you've done tech conferences that size before yeah but it's different if it's everyone's just come to see you right yeah i suppose i, think. I suppose in a way it's nicer right yeah i guess there's something that about doing stuff at a tech conference where it's like people are there anyway aren't they yeah <laughs> it's yes. a lower bar and you can a lot of the levity comes from the fact that people might have just come out of a really boring talk like i always try (laughs) and make make my talks like funny and stuff as well as being like educational um yeah i need to start doing more talks again because i mean i have a really good talk 
but we're giving it away on this podcast but uh yeah, in but you know serialized <laughs> no no it's totally fine though isn't it because you could you it's can not the same without the, the visuals anyway like it's yeah the version the podcast <laughs> version we're doing is so. yeah it's totally different totally different yeah but i suppose i should plug it right if you yes. want to come <laughs> getting quick over half the tickets are sold probably more by the time this goes out um hackedonclassics.com 10 pounds for a ticket but there's loads of stuff going on in the Brighton Digital Festival. So that's, yeah, it's definitely worth a visit to Brighton. The next day, I'm doing a project with a choreographer. It's again, as part of the Digital Festival. Yeah, but that's more of a sort of private test run. Right. Oh, okay. Um, for like a limited audience. We're just trying it out. But yeah, real time controlled dances through your phones. It's called choreocracy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does the audience control the dancers? The audio, yeah, but it's actually really funny. I'm working with this brilliant choreographer called Tim Casson, uh-huh. who's very accomplished. Um, but we sort of share the aim of trying to get, well, he, he likes to demystify dance, contemporary dance, and make it accessible. And obviously I try and do that with technology. Technology, so yeah. We immediately kind of clicked. And, um, and we found three really amazing dancers, or I should say he has, <laughs> I wasn't really involved in that audition process. You're not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they're, they're brilliant dancers because not only are they technically very good and incredibly versatile, which they have to be, and very quick, right? Because we're changing what they're doing within seconds sometimes. Um, but they're also just very funny. You know, they're very entertaining in a very sort of non-cheesy way. So they manage to be entertaining and funny without being too silly, I suppose too much. it's quite silly, yeah. but somehow they managed to pull it off with credibility. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds fun. Yeah. And that's what you've got coming up. Yeah. It's quite a lot, isn't it? It's been a bit <laughs> intense. I've just been away as well in Hebden Bridge for Wuthering Bites Festival. What was that? Talk there. Uh, there was a, a kind of day festival or, or day long festival, which was a load of talks from very interesting people, including Lucy Rogers. Dr. Lucy Rogers, one of the judges on Robot Wars. She's very cool. She does a lot of stuff. Oh, okay. I've seen her on Robot Wars. Yeah, right. So hey, isn't, the... it, well, that's okay. isn't it cool to have Robot Wars back as well? I've I've been very much enjoying <laughs> Robot Wars and more fun. than I expected to, because I sort of half liked it in the past, yeah. like the old version. Yeah. But I found um, Craig Charles a bit much, right? Um, I mean, and so I was sort of like, oh, Robot Wars is on. Okay, I might as well watch it. I sort of used to quite enjoy it. Yeah. But I was so into it. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so amazing. That's I could good. do without Jonathan Pierce. He's a bit much. Which one's Jonathan um, Pierce? Is he the football the, commentator? The commentator. Yeah. yeah, but he's part of the tradition, isn't he? Yeah. But I suppose so is Craig Charles. And I don't miss him so much. Sorry, Craig. Obviously, he's an avid listener to the podcast. I like. I think I thought Craig Charles. I thought he was fine on it. Yeah, but the robots are better now, aren't they? They're bigger. It's, what I like about it is that they do a little segment in each one about robotics and stuff. Yeah, like a little interview segment. And one of the ones they did was about changes in technology that have happened since they made the first season, which was or the first run, which was over ten years ago. And they're talking mm. about motors getting more powerful, batteries getting more powerful and smaller. Um, the circuit boards obviously getting more much more complex like a lot of them now i think are computerized whereas in the past they were just pure electronics does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely 
And I think they're starting to put some of the intelligence in the robots as well, aren't they? Are they? I believe so. I was looking at the rules. I mean, they're not really technically robots, are they? They're remote-controlled fighting machines, essentially. Because to be a robot, you have to be, like, autonomous. Yeah. There are separate competitions for autonomous robots. And there's robot football as well, robot soccer, which is, like, a really yes popular robotics it's usually incredibly dull well not for the students (laughs) making the teams to watch yeah it might be a lot different now but i remember a few years ago when i saw robot soccer right (laughs) literally were the robots just really bad the ball went and then like no robots got it (laughs) or one happens to just walk into it by accident you see but then that might be like things being bad bad university projects and stuff yeah like, I'm sure the bar has been massively raised, as it has in all technology things recently, <laughs> where someone's just gone, oh, yeah, I'm this sure is the football it's... algorithm. You just download it from this website and it just... it just <laughs> Stack overflow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Copy and paste. I could, write some, I could write some good robot football code. I couldn't do the code that controls the motors and I stuff, but if it was just, like, the AI, I'd be well in. I did... There was this thing at Dot Brighton a few years ago. We had a robot wars, but it was all it was all done with Flash. So we made a kind of uh, template for the robots and environment that updated them. And so all you had to do was write a class definition for your right. robot. You had limited input, and obviously yeah. But in Flash, there'd be too output. many ways to cheat. <laughs> you just go set moving because <laughs> you've got public access to everything. <laughs> yeah. So you parent just like dot, yeah, parent just root dots. dot. You just no, go I mean, it was obviously strictly monitored. Equals minus one, you just flip the whole thing around. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> big enough, really, to get away with that kind of cheating. Um, <laughs> but it was really interesting. Um, I find that more fascinating. I was talking to um, uh, my friend Paul Hayes earlier, and he was saying that there are d- many different classes, weights of Robot Wars right. now, including one that's like 30 grams. Wow, that's very small, isn't it? Yeah. See, I'm more into that. I'm kind of a bit terrified of the big, massive robots. They're like serious now, aren't they? Yeah. I feel like you could build one. I could build a little one. That's in your wheelhouse. Those big ones are just too <laughs> heavy and too powerful and a bit too scary. They're a bit dangerous, but I could do they? a smaller one, for sure. I'd like to do a smaller See, one. See, for me, I like watching it and I admire the people that do it, but I have like absolutely no desire to like make a crushing machine <laughs> no That's... i'm too busy putting lasers in toy guns it must be such a time-consuming hobby as well right it would just be your whole life outside of your day job exactly it? yeah <laughs> sorry what you were gonna say before oh. we got distracted by robot wars i don't know what <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> what, were we, what were we talking about we were talking about um the wuthering bites festival and how nice that was and um, yeah, I should have probably interviewed some of them. We've got reasons in Brighton at the moment. There's lots of people here. I'm going to try and interview some of them. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to do an update on... I've had various people on the show with their Kickstarters and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And we haven't done any updates. So Knights okay. and Bikes successfully funded. So that was uh, Moo Yu, who we had on. So well done to him. Um, oh, that was ages ago, wasn't yeah, it? So it how was, much yeah. did he raise for that? They did really well. They beat their target by quite a lot. Um, the Adventure Pals just funded. They only made it by a small margin, but it was enough. So that's amazing. So well done to them. Yeah. They got picked up by some big YouTubers in literally like the last couple of days. And I think that must be what carried them over the edge. But that's great. And then Overland, I think you can, where we had Adam Saltzman on, you can get Overland now in some sort of early access form, I think. So hmm. 
yeah great but yeah it's good good that the people who we had on doing kickstarters were, were both successful so that's that's good i tried a an htc vive oh okay and you, you hadn't tried one the last time we talked about vr stuff no oh my only experience <laughs> of vr was was a, an old oculus i don't know if it i think it must have been two maybe i don't know um but it was it just made me feel really ill and it put me off vr right yep it was very sort of narrow field and uh, laggy. And what's your... But the HTC Vive, well, you know me, right? I'm quite hard to impress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm extremely cynical and grumpy. And I've seen all the people on YouTube with Tilt Brush. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, they just look like such idiots, right? Going, wow, look at this, waving their arms around. I was that guy. <laughs> <laughs> htc vive just it blew my mind oh you're sold okay was, cool you know i was so impressed i actually hate myself a little bit <laughs> for being so annoyingly wowed but by it even just when you boot it up and you're in the hollow deck yeah and you're in space right <laughs> you're in space and the earth is overhead you know, that sort of menu system thing. And you've got a laser coming out of your controller. So, you know, straight away, I was just like, yeah, amazing. I just played with Tilt Brush for a few minutes and was, it was like particles everywhere, rainbow lines. And oh my God, I was just so, so impressed. The controllers are amazing. Yeah, they, I really like the controllers, actually. What yeah. did you think about the sense of immersion? Like, did you feel like you were there? Yeah, totally. You did? Yeah, I was yeah i think i'm very easily convinced because that's for me that was the thing that was missing it's like i felt like i was looking at like a very clever screen that could that was also tracking my head no i didn't i didn't feel that at all i was totally there okay cool i I totally bought into it that's good news i don't know i wonder (laughs) if it might have been the quality of the you know the computer you need a really really fast computer right and i know that i was running it off a really good one right so the latency was incredible yeah no low. i definitely didn't have any latency or it wasn't a latency thing but you're just hard i to just convinced well it's just it's it's a it is it's not a massively high resolution screen the field of view like the field of view isn't that big it's nothing like real your real life field of view i mean i could definitely see pixels but i didn't see it as pixels i just saw it as like a slight kind of grating because it was pretty fine yeah it's pretty high res isn't it but it's very high res but that close to your eye and that magnified by the optics it's like Mm. it's not the same as looking at it from a a distance i've I've got high hopes definitely like i mean the tricky thing now is working out like what's the gameplay or what's the interaction design that's gonna like make that work because you i don't think you can just do like walking around in a video game like you would normally like that's the th- sort of stuff that induces sickness like you have to do yeah. things that are based on being in the area you are does that make sense yeah i do but i do think i mean i was very cynical before i guess that's cool this episode brought to you by HTC vibe <laughs> <laughs> i think that there's going to be there's going to be some kind of killer app right yeah at some point we just someone needs to work out what it is Yes, I met one of our patrons over the weekend. Oh, did you? Who was that? His name is James Med. Oh, okay. And, I've heard uh, his name many he, times. He actually has this quite interesting project called Awkward Arcade. Right. And it's he's sort of made an arcade 
um, with loads of arcade machines. But with you'd probably be really interested in it, actually, because it's all kind of slightly odd left field games or games with a really awkward interface. Right. <laughs> Um, that really interesting or although rather disappointingly we've been pronouncing his name correctly the Babe. entire time <laughs> yeah apparently he gets james mead all the time and not james med which surprised me because i thought well maybe it's spelled m-e-a-d but it's not but then i looked and it's m-e-a-d but that's more of just a misreading though isn't it yeah it is but we're obviously going to have to try a lot harder to to mispronounce people's <laughs> names in the future. Well, let's start now. I've got the list open. If, should we do the... Yeah, let's do it. Because it's monthly shout time. So thank you very much to Uber patron Grant Matthews. He wins. Who is in our... He's in our awesome VIP Velvet Rope tier. Number one patron. <laughs> and then all our other awesome people, Heather Cochran, Shane Brown, Casey Farina, Jeff Stargazy Sheen, Rob Shearing, Michael Hazani... Sam HS, Bradley Mandescheid, Lorenzo Pirandini, James Med, James Mead, <laughs> Chris Spurgeon, <laughs> Bristol JS, and Dan Hett. And also, obviously, thanks to all of our other patrons. Yes, well. thank you. You're amazing. Thanks so much. We, we super appreciate it. We really do. If you want to see some of my face, I'm in last month's or this month's net magazine are you yeah i am i wrote an article the print magazine i wrote an article it's not online yet no for them and it's called the article's called game over and it's basically about whatever happened to web games Mm. um and i talk about like some of the technological and sort of business reasons why they're not a thing anymore when they used to be like the next big thing when i started my career that sounds like an episode to me yeah i mean it could be (laughs) let's do an episode about that you can just read out your article yeah i don't think i'm allowed to do that no no i've read the net magazine contract it's your content still they don't they just have a license for i don't think so i think yeah the one whatever you want with it (laughs) no there's one where i think i'm pretty sure it's like i'm only allowed to reproduce like up to 300 words of it or something just change the words i can still talk about i can still talk about it i can tell you what's what my what's in it but i mean it's just one of those things where it's like that is a thing that happened isn't it I think that's a really interesting podcast episode. Well, I mean, what was interesting is that when when the whole Flash versus HTML5 thing happened, the discussion was always going to be, is Flash going to survive or is HTML5 going to replace it for web games? What no one realised was actually what's going to happen is there won't be any web games. That's what's going to happen. (laughs) Web games won't exist. Yes. They won't be. So anyway, no more spoilers because I think this needs to be a podcast episode. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Give it, tease it, tease the. We just the it's teased. It's teased. It's excellent. Come All right, soon. cool. Um, I think I think we should wrap it up. Seb, until you finish your show, you're still super busy. But we're going to be back to weekly episodes now. So I'm going to get some interviews in the bag with some of my fave peeps. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, and we've got to carry on the the game design. Ian's Sky to game design series. Yeah, we've got to finish that. Wow, there's a lot of good stuff coming. Yeah, the famous money episodes and freelancer episodes as well. That we've been. Oh, yeah. I thought of another one like that. We should do like a maths episode, right? Yeah. And what we do... Let's get Keith Peters on. No, but what I thought for the maths episode is we get something like a GCSE maths book, right? Yeah. And we just go through the topics list. Yeah. And we just talk about the, what the actual uses for things are and like interesting things that we've done with them. Yeah. Right? Because when it when you're at school, it's all like abstract, yeah, right. But then when you actually do like computery programming stuff, 
It's like you use yeah. fractions, you use percentages, you use all these things, like you use trigonometry and stuff. Like it all, it all, everything, especially in GCSE maths, which is like the sort of fundamentals. I was like up to with your 16. Um, mm. You use all that stuff. Oh, you know, Matt would be perfect for that. Who's that? You know, you know Matt Parker, he did the evening of unnecessary detail. Oh, right. You were at, he's the compare stand-up maths oh yeah yeah i enjoyed his and stuff. Uh, in fact he's doing a whole youtube series at the moment about and i think it's for kids every single week he's kind of finding someone who uses maths in a cool way for their job oh that's cool i went along on one of his film shoots to hasmonsu right the observatory in it's a bit of a way from brighton because they have a space laser wow right so they have a space laser that points at satellites and measures their exact position. Right. So it's a really useful service that, that they provide to space people. And it was amazing. It was this amazing old laser from the 60s with all, <laughs> you know, pipes and, massive, <laughs> you know, thousands of volts of electricity. <laughs> and that was just, yeah, it was cool. So he'd be great to talk for that. I wonder if he'd be up for it. I'll ask him next time I see him. He's currently doing a project in Manchester where they're colouring in pixels by hand. You know, red, green and blue right? Uh, on transparent sheets to put in a window to teach people how computers work and how colour works. Right. It's pretty fun, isn't it? Did you, I don't know if we ever talked about it. Do you remember all those videos about how colour doesn't exist and stuff? Um, there was one about magenta that you, Steve Mould did that was very um, inspiring to me about how magenta doesn't actually exist. But then I saw a lot of rebuttals to those videos saying, well, it's like, well, if you're going to say that, then no colours exist. Um yeah, that could be true. I find it fascinating. Another podcast, Colour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One called Shapes. Right, cool. We'll basically be sort of like Sesame Street. Yeah, this week has been brought to you by <laughs> C++. Triangles. Triangles Particles. and the colour blue. <laughs> the colour FF00FF. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a nerd. <laughs> That's not really news. <laughs> Anyway, yes, let's let's wrap it up. Come see my show. Oh, I'm also doing something 16th of, and 17th of September at the Corn Exchange projection event. I think I mentioned it. Bring your own beamer. If you want to come and play with a laser gun, you can do that. More importantly, buy tickets for my show on the 28th. Hacktonclassics.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. been listening to the creative coding podcast you can follow us on twitter cc underscore pod or please support us on patreon if you want to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash creative coding if you listen to us on itunes then please leave a review because that's also really helpful thanks for listening